sex and lifestyle podcast that you didn't know you needed. This is the Swinging Soulmates podcast with your host, Mondo and Sativa. Please relax, unwind, and come play with us and our guest co-host as we candidly share our personal experiences and erotic escapades in the lifestyle. Motivated by passion and purpose, our goal is to create a community that allows themselves to be educated and entertained through the tales of the swimming soulmates. Mondo and Sativa are not medical professionals, yet we are a happily married couple of 19 years and in the LS for 10. We have a deep, unwavering commitment to our marriage and to holding a space in normalizing and redefining the concept of relationships and monogamy. The Swinging Soulmate strives to be a resource and inspiration to others. So subscribe, put a reoccurring play date on your calendar, and come along with us as we journey deep into our lives as Swinging Soulmates. love that you said that too because that is the recent statistics that we've learned is that a good i believe it's very high i want to say it's above 80 percent of those that choose to identify maybe in adolescence by the time they're in their mid-20s early 30s they're choosing to not live like that anymore um it's a lot of peer pressure it's a lot of peer pressure and it's usually the smallest group of people that gets their voice heard because they do so much propaganda around it. When we actually analyze how many people want this, it's like a small percentage, but they've done such a great job at voicing themselves out that now the rest of the population abides to it. So big changes are coming from small groups of people. Mm -hmm. Even pronouns is someone else caring about how you're identifying somebody. Because when I'm talking to you, I don't identify you as a he, she, they, or anything. I'm having a conversation with you. That's the exactly. conversation. When I'm talking to somebody else, I would say she does this or he does this. Like mm-hmm. that's it's the third party that wants to complain for somebody else. It's it's exactly it's interesting. I keep saying interesting, but it's. I'm interested to see what in 10, 15, 20 years, how this will be discussed and talked about at, at part, as part of human um, psychology, <laughs> sociology as well, um, and just kind of what the implications are going to be overall. Um, because that's going to take a lot of work, I think, to... I don't want to say that there's going to be... Yeah, and not saying there's going to be 1,000% irreparable um, damage, but there are going to be... I think I lost you for a little bit there, but that's okay. I'm back. Oh, oh there we go. Um, not saying that this um, this conversation, this narrative, this, this part of human um, development is going to cause damage. I'm not saying that that is just, it's set in stone that that's going to happen, but there is going to be some damage caused either that's you know damage to relationships or to just some of 
our society's human psyche, there's going to have to be, you know, a, I don't want to say a treatment, but there's going to have to be a plan of action um, that needs to take place, you know, but we know that in human nature and, and within the history of uh, society, it's not usually the people that need to stand up and be accountable and make the change that do that. So we'll see. We'll see when that comes. But back a little bit to your practice. Um, I love how you, you spoke about a client that you had, and that was a familial relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, um, rela- sexual based relationships, marriages, whatever, you know, that may be. Um, first, I'm going to start with the human sexuality overall, because I don't think that people even think of sexuality as something that's a part of us. I think they just think that it's uh, an action that happens. I've taken human sexuality courses, so maybe I understand it a little differently and understand that it is an, it, like an innate part of us. We're part of nature. It happens. Trees have sex in a way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, pollination. That's what, that's what trees yeah. having sex is. Um, mm-hmm. So what would you, or what are the three pillars? I know that there are three of human sexuality or what what makes up human sexuality? My three pillars are the sexual energies, sexual psychology, and um, physical sex. So we cannot have one without the other and they are as they are it's a triangle. So one leads to the other. Love that. So and being that our body is one big wondrous magical machine. Mm-hmm. everything acts together it's and if one thing is off kilter or just you know off off the mark that leads into other aspects so you know human sexuality is a part of that and when that's kind of off kilter that definitely leads to problems or or issues in other parts of of your being and your your well-being so like you just said, they, those, you know, those three pillars work together, but how do you say that your human sexuality works into your everyday life and who you are having a, a strong and healthy sexuality? Sure. So I'll take the the female form just for a second, because it's super easy to understand. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the vulva and the vagina has multiple glands inside of it. And each gland, so um, I say that the biggest sex organ is the brain. And mm-hmm. it's, it's such mm-hmm. a cliche, a lot of people use that because it's true. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your brain is the actual sex organ and you can have a sexual experience outside of the genital area in any part of your body. I like There's so many instances of full body orgasms and arousal from other areas. Mm-hmm. So if we go back and we concentrate in the genital for a second, Inside of the vagina itself, it, it contains multiple glands. And each one of these glands are responsible for a different type of orgasm. Now, a lot of people, they know about the clitoral stimulation mm-hmm. and, and orgasm. And they know, they know or have heard or never, have never been able to find it, but the G spot. <laughs> However, there's so many other ones. There's the K spot, the U spot, the P spot, uh, the A spot, and the cervical orgasms. And... 
all of these different orgasms, they are releasing different hormones, different cocktails of hormones and chemicals in the woman's body, which are responsible for her maintenance of her um, health, her mood, the way that she perceives herself, and uh, even gynecological health. So women that have more vaginal, intense vaginal orgasms around the time of their period are less likely to have uh, pain or menstrual cramps because not necessarily just because of the fact that they had an orgasm and the physical aspect of it, but it's also the chemical aspect of it mm -hmm. and the right hormones being released. So yes, it's influencing so many other areas of that person's life. That person has less health issues, are more happy, they have a good mood, and it's crossing into the other areas. Um, sleep better, good appetite, you know, everything is interconnected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that you say that. Because it's very true when you, especially as a woman, you understand your body or at least making the attempt to and just noticing certain things and certain patterns. And so I definitely have been blessed with, you know, right before, you know, that bitch ain't flow. And I know that's, we, I know it's something natural that we have to have, but how much longer? Um, when she comes to town and visits me, uh, mm -hmm. I definitely end that few days before. Uh, that's that's a sweet spot. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, I know a lot of people don't, or a lot of women don't chin because we, we're just beings where our brains are always going 1,000 miles per hour. But uh, taking the time, part of self-love is taking the time to understand your body and the signs that it's giving you because sometimes it's yelling and screaming at us and we're just mm -hmm. going, going, going that we don't, you know, we don't take the time to pay attention to it, whether it's an emergency or whether it's screaming like, hey, you're living your best life. Let me go ahead and just emit that this great energy that you're creating. We don't take the exactly. time to identify that. So it is, I, and I love, we also just had a guest who mentioned how powerful and the biggest sexual organ is the brain. The brain mm -hmm. is so powerful. That's why we don't know. There's so much that we don't know about it, but it runs everything of who we are, everything. Mm -hmm. um, so it's super important to understand how those things intertwine. How do you recommend to a couple, um, for example, to the male being, this is what you need to try to understand in order to understand your, you know, your wife or your partner as a sexual being. So just exactly what you shared with us as far as the physical um, and the biological aspect of it, would you go ahead and share it the same way to a client or would you go ahead and break it down and say, hey, it's, it's a lot going on down there. You have to understand it. You know, how would you, how would you approach that? So first, I always encourage people to work on themselves first mm -hmm. and identifying what are the areas where they want, what, what they've experienced, what they don't experience, what they want to experience. It's a, a self-check. I call it the sexual blueprint. Identifying where you are on your sexual blueprint, where you want to get, and then have a map of how to get there. And a lot of times it's a communication, right? Mm -hmm. the, first, the first step is being able to have those conversations uh, with uh, your partner. I've never... I'm 39 to date. I've never faked an orgasm. And hey. I, 
I know that if I don't get one, I don't get one. If I'm mm-hmm. taking a long time, I'm taking a long time. But I've never felt the need to fake one. And that's probably because I was born and I got I was raised in a society where I did not know what an orgasm was. Mm-hmm. So I did not know that I had to fake it. Maybe if I was raised in today's world where it's more prevalent and it's more TV, maybe I would have felt self-conscious and I would have... Um, lied about having one when I didn't but I never knew so I think I really got my first orgasm years after I, I started having sex mm-hmm. so the first thing is to really have conversation and communication knowing wh- where you are where you want to be and what are, what are the tools that works for you and your partner that can get you there and of course number one thing is to get to know your own body mm-hmm. understand if you have any guilt understand if you have any shame understand if you have any trauma and when I talk about trauma, trauma is not necessarily negative or positive. Trauma is an emotional uh, experience that has been registered in the brain that has a high emotional value. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you'll think about a, a thing and it's a positive thing that comes out of it or a negative thing. They're both trauma. So we hold up, we are human beings are all of us are made up of trauma. We, that's how our brain relates to how we are supposed to react and protects us. It's basically our protection system. And uh, a lot of times we hold up to a lot of sexual trauma from different things. <clears throat> and sexual trauma does not necessarily need to be coming from sexual abuse. It can come from sexual abuse and it definitely comes from sexual abuse, but it also can come from other things, uh, other types of programming other types of mm-hmm. situation a little kid um i love this example of a, of a of a man who it's a true story of a man who his mom used to have these women gathering and they used to play cards so as a kid little baby she used to take him just put him to play underneath the table with all of the women um their feet being there and then that little kid at some point he got a link in his brain because children have uh, have sex organs and he got a, a brain connection with the smell and the look of feet and his genitals. So he grew up having a uh, kink mm-hmm. and uh, towards feet. And he was super ashamed of it, very shamed, never really was able to communicate it with a partner and uh, until he seeked professional help and he was able to identify where it came from. So it's not even like a good or a bad thing, uh, his fault, her fault. Like That has nothing to do with that. It just happened that at that moment that this connection got created in his brain. And that was just so, the impression that, you know, yes. when you really think of the root meaning of trauma, it doesn't always mean negative. It's just an impression. It's a, it's, you know, a, a mark or, you know, so for yes. lack of a better description of it right now, but that, so that's interesting because I've never actually thought about it that way, but that it's just the nature versus nurture. It's, you know, your environment and your experiences really shaping you. And it's funny that that can happen as young as, you know, being being a child, having that very early connection. Um, and that was something so innocent. That was just putting yeah. the baby down so she could, you know, have her time with the ladies. And it was nothing, you know, uh, there was no intent behind it. There was no thought about it because it's not anything that I think anybody would think of, but it's, it just shows how important it is to really understand why you are the way that you are, 
why your brain works the way that it works not just your sexuality everything everything yeah everything it's so important and then and then understanding how you can rewire that how Mm -hmm how you can change those, uh, those those aspects and that's basically what i do i teach people how to rewire their brain and have a different version of a life that they thought that maybe they couldn't or they need they need some assistant with so a lot of people come to me like the different clients that i have are so varied the the person that i worked with today for example he just went through a breakup of seven years mm-hmm. and then he met me he was here he 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 met me and uh, we, we had a conversation and he was like, oh my God, I'm in Mexico to meet you. So we had sessions almost weekly and sometimes twice a week for him to analyze because exactly how you said it earlier, he doesn't want to repeat those same mistakes mm-hmm. and he wants to be more grounded in who he is and understand him first. So we were able to go through all of these different areas and then he's practicing those things and he's seeing changes in his life. And then... Um, I could have another client which maybe has never had an orgasm and uh, wants to understand what, why that never mm-hmm. happened and mm-hmm. how to connect, what are the psychological issues. And then the next client that I'm working with is completely into tantra and sexual energy and understanding sex magic and how to manifest. So really depending on where they are and what they are, what they are about, uh, we can work on those aspects. But it always comes back to the self identifying the traumas that has formed in your brain whether they are positive or negative how to rewire them and how to be empowered to do it on your own mm-hmm. wow um use the word kink a little bit ago and not fetish uh do you have two different two different definitions for those two words or why did you use kink and not fetish? I think it's just because I was flowing in the conversation and that's the word that came and I was looking for the word fetish and it did come to my brain. Just like when I was on stage once and I wanted to use the word masturbation and it did come to my mind. So I said, when you touch yourself. <laughs> and the people knew what I meant and I was like, you, you get it, that word, yeah, masturbation. Yeah, so it's just like, um, yeah. No, well, I don't think I, I went through a, a going to distinct uh, understanding of what's the difference between kink and a fetish. Maybe you guys can enlighten me from the last guest. Uh, well, a couple of guests ago, someone told us that there was a difference. And mm-hmm. I was just wondering how prominent this uh, knowledge was. But um, if I remember right, I believe uh, uh, a kink is something that someone needs or not needs but that's what they use to actually have an orgasm um mm-hmm. but then a fetish is more just something that they like or they like to see mm-hmm. yeah the okay. kink is you actually you have to be involved in that or that has to be a part of what is taking place in order for you to reach orgasm um whereas, so that's a yeah yeah and then fetish is where you just it's just something that you're interested in like you know, you love to have it around, but you don't have to have it around to reach uh-huh. orgasm. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I When she let us know that and we looked at it, to it a little deeper, we were like, wow, that's crazy. Because I think especially in our culture with um, podcasting, which no shade, we podcast as well, but there's a bunch of people that are ill-informed and they start to um, just 
really group things together. So uh-huh. kink is a, it's becoming a thing that you have to, um, you have to let your, your kink flag fly and you have to be okay with that. And you know, you're, you're, you're different if you're somebody that, that identifies and says, yes, I have a kink. Everybody has one um, mm-hmm. to, to some extent, well, not to some extent, like everybody has one, what you would need in order for you to reach orgasm um, has mm-hmm. to be prevalent in, in that inner encounter. But it's become this, this larger narrative has become that it's part of kink is BDSM and BDSM is choking and, and like, it's just, mm-hmm there's this huge movement to for people to have this this uh sexual revolution although you did mention it's more of a renaissance but i think for a certain um percentage and maybe a generation they're seeing it as a, as a revolution because they're saying well we're taking you know we're 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 not judgmental we're accepting of everyone but in that same process and that same note there's a lot of miseducation that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely see it, like I said, around around that term kink and and what people think of it overall. Um, I and love ironically, that you-, you actually used it right in the example <laughs> that you used. That's why I was just wondering if it was a conscious use of the word or not. No, I thought about it because I heard you mention it before. And I was like, I actually don't know the difference. And then, but I also didn't remember the word fetish in that specific moment because sometimes when I'm flowing, I'm just flowing. Right? Oh yeah, not, uh, not rehearsed. Oh. Yes. No, I know how that is. Um, <laughs> I'm an Aries. I talk so much. Um, so don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so so much. Um, and it's funny because our youngest one sometimes I go, "Oof, he wasn't at school all day. Like he talks a lot." And I'm like, "Well, where does he get it from?" Like he <laughs> he probably speaks more words than I do in a day. Um, but thank you for joining us on Soulmate Between Us. We hope that you enjoyed yourself just as much as we did. Please don't miss our next play date. It just wouldn't be the same without you. Until next time, be passionate, be in the moment, be bold, be loving, be the best version of you. Love and light. Hey, this is Mondo. Thanks for joining us this week on Soulmates and Swingers. If you have any questions or any topics that you want us to cover, you can reach us at 12-I-N-N-S-A-T-I-V-A at gmail.com and also on Twitter at 12-I-N-N-S-A-T-I-V-A. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, comment, hit all the buttons you can except for the delete button, and we'll see you next week.